Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Money FM 89.3, good morning. It's the breakfast huddle. Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang with you. It's time now for our regional roundup. We've got quite a few headlines to get through. Dr. Mahade Mohamed out of Malaysia set to be fielded as a prime ministerial candidate for the potential upcoming election. One last Myanmar and Russia's friendly relationship. This is interesting. What are the possible repercussions for the already ostracized Myanmar? Plus, which presidential candidate will Indonesian President Joko Widodo give his endorsement to? Online to help me out with these headlines is Dr. Felix Tan, political observer, Nanyang Technological University. Good morning, Dr. Felix. Good morning, Elliot. <laughs> We've got a few exciting headlines to talk about. First things first, let's get to the National Council of Professors who have accused former Attorney General in Malaysia, Tommy Thomas, of making a racist statement by suggesting that the opposition tell the public a Malay government had failed. My, my, my. Let's talk about the basis of this accusation. All right. Okay, I think first and foremost, we have to understand that Tommy Thomas is the former Attorney General of Malaysia from 2018 to 2020, uh, which was uh, under, I think, the uh, Pakatan-Harapan coalition that won the general election then. So he was also the first non-Malay and non-Muslim Malaysian to ever hold the position of the Attorney General in the country. Now, he made a statement uh, asking the electorate whether, quote, having a Malay government had made the country better and more efficient, unquote. Mm. And I do believe that this was actually in response to what Mahathir Mohamad had actually commented uh, earlier, that the government was not so-called Malay enough. Now, truth be told, I think we have to understand that Malaysian politics have always very frequently been rather racialized. And in this uh, particular instance, it is no difference at all. So this is a high, or there's even a high likelihood that his comments were taken out of context and hyped up for purely political reasons. I mean, we have to understand that there have been things like affirmative action, the Bumiputra policy and Malay rights in in Malaysia that has been talked about over for many, many years, you know. So comments on Malay rights and issues by non-Malays are also very often seen to trigger certain segments of society Mm. simply to just to galvanize some support for their cause, you know, especially from within a particular community. So it comes as no surprise that, you know, in this instance, uh, Tommy Thomas is used as a sort of a scapegoat uh, directed at uh, or at least warning the non-Malay and non-Muslim electorate. So I think, you know, he, he is an easy target for certain groups of people in the country, usually yeah. politicians, to, to really politize uh, an, an issue and, and make it blow it out, out of, you know, bring it out you know, more, you know, just make it big, you know. Yeah. I mean, doesn't help that when you look at Malaysian elections, obviously the idea of religion comes into play. That is something they use in their campaigns. Plus, you also have the former PM Najib Razak. He's got a suit against him, so he's kind of in the limelight right now. Mm, exactly. Yes. I, I think, but but that's because you know he, he was he was the, the, the preceding he was an attorney general at yeah. that point of the case. Yeah. 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 Okay, Doctor Mahathir Mohamad, still around, set to be fielded <laughs> as a prime ministerial candidate for one last time. Sounds like a Fast and Furious movie, right? <laughs> representing the Garakan Tanae. Your reaction to this piece of news, you think he still has that charm with voters? Uh, you know, I just guess some non-agenarian just refused to give up power. But I think more notably, also we have to understand that Mahathir Mohamad is still the, the, the MP for the seat of Langkawi. Yeah. So there's really no reason for him to give up at this point in time, or at least just yet. 
So, uh, so there's no huge surprises that he intends to run for election. Just one last time to you know all the weight, but you know, mm. uh, that will be quite difficult uh, at this point in time. I do not believe that there is a possibility of him actually becoming the prime minister again for two reasons. Mm. I think, firstly, his age, and at 97, that would be quite a huge challenge, you know, to take on such a, a heavy role. Although he's a very experienced prime minister, of course, yeah, yeah. but it's still, given his age, you know, it will be tough for him. Uh, secondly, while he is still relatively popular in some segment of society. Society, you know, his sort of his color personality or, uh, or, or that sort has sort of waned over the last few years, mm. especially amongst the younger generation mm. of Malaysians. So I think, uh, you know, all these are going to be huge challenges for him to hold on to that uh, sort of position that he, if he wants to be prime minister. Yeah, campaign plus the, the sort of narrative is also not as strong as the previous one being that fight against corruption, right? Mm, exactly, yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts about the potential for uh, the election to be held between October and December this year? I mean, Amno seems to be confident confident that it'll happen sometime within this couple of months. Yeah, I think it seems very likely that the general election in Malaysia will be held in October. I mean, the budget has been pushed forward to the 7th of October, so it's much earlier than one expected to be. And this budget is for 2023. So I think uh, everyone, or at least uh, the political game, is, is, is heating up in Malaysia. And a lot of the, uh, whether it's AMNO or whether it's the, uh, a PAS or, or, or DAP, they are all gearing up for a potential elections uh, in October. Uh, although some have said that they were not, you know, whole state. Uh, state election if it's during the monsoon season but uh, all this seems uh, probable and a uh, high probability I think uh, Malaysians are really gearing up this time round. Mm. Dr. Felix let's move on to talk about Russian President Vladimir Putin became the second leader to formally meet the Myanmar junta chief Minang Liang that is since the latter staged a military coup more than a year ago Okay, it's, it's a bit touchy. I'll try my best to navigate this the best I can, mm-hmm. right? Myanmar has been a topic in ASEAN. No one's exactly helping Myanmar. So is this a repercussion of that scenario? Or, okay, you don't want to be my friend, I go and find another friend. <laughs> Actually, you're very right to say that. Uh, Myanmar is facing a problem with political legitimacy. And, at, you know, at this point in time, uh, Myanmar military junta and its leadership under Min Online is very desperate for any form of the sort of validation, that sort of political legitimacy. Mm-hmm. And China, for example, had been seemingly rather coy about its relationship, uh, promising neither to recognize nor deny the military regime. But Russia, on the other hand, has unabashedly voiced their strong support for the junta. So this bode very well for the regime at this point in time. And any form of recognition uh, it will be great for the military junta, whoever is showing that support. So we, we, we have to understand that, you know, having Russia uh, recognizing uh, Myanmar, um, especially the military leader and government itself, it's, it's, it's good for Ming, on, Ming, Ming Online. And, you know, given that ASEAN is not uh, on, its, on its side and uh, the rest of the world is against it. So it, he is desperate. And mm. this is one, one clear example of that. Actually, I know we're supposed to talk about regional headlines, but Dr. Felix, your thought on Russia, I mean, is it a case of don't count them out yet? Because there are a couple of interesting plays here, right? So you have this potential relationship with Myanmar. There, Last week, we talked about how Indonesia could be buying oil from Russia because mm-hmm. it's desperate as well. And even <laughs> in the US, there's been talk this morning about how some treasury officials are saying that Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, could use cryptocurrencies to evade US sanctions. So... I mean, 
pay attention to them. What are your mm. thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, we cannot negate uh, the influence of Russia despite the war is still ongoing, you know, between Ukraine and, and, and Russia. But I think uh, uh, there are a whole a whole lot of, of issues that will, will surface eventually. Mm. And I think we can't discount that Russia still has uh, that sort of influence, not only in this region, but also in Europe. I mean, they are very dependent on oil and gas in, mm-hmm. uh, from, from Russia. So, you know, despite all that rhetoric against Russia and what... Uh, they, they are strongly against uh, against the war and all the economic sanctions. They will still rely and they still be very dependent on uh, uh, Russian, uh, you know, oil and gas. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, with regards to the region, I would not want to conflate Myanmar's regime with okay. that of the Indonesian government. Okay. <laughs> Myanmar is a rather belligerent military yeah. regime. Yeah. Indonesia, on the other hand, is not. So I think we also understand that the sort of uh, relationship between the uh, two countries with Russia. Uh, Myanmar with Russia is seeking for political legitimacy, whereas for Indonesia, uh, it has always been a staple in their relationship where they have also applied, traded with each other for the longest time. So it's, it's an extension of, an, of agreements between the two countries, uh, Indonesia and Russia. Uh, whereas for Myanmar, it was it's purely transactional. I appreciate that. Yeah, it is true. A very good point of clarification. Just two more issues. One is freelance television present. I hope I don't murder this name. Hit Kit Kin, if I'm pronouncing that right. So this person used to work for BBC's charity branch. Been sentenced to three years hard labor in Myanmar. She was arrested last year. What is mm. the backstory here? What was she convicted for? Mm. So Kit Kin has been convicted of incitement and illegal association for her reporting work. And uh, also, we have to understand that uh, in 2016 to 2020, uh, she was she presented a Burmese language program called Kansa Chi for okay. the BBC Media Action. Okay. So I think the the, the the program actually focused on telling the stories of those uh, on Myanmar's political and geographic, you know, uh, margins, you know, and a, a huge focus on the impact on the civil war uh, right now and so on the periphery of Myanmar and that is always and has always been a very touchy issue with the military uh, junta and there's a lot of concern but it is very clear that there is no basis whatsoever for these sort of accusations by the junta on on those people and especially Tetat Kin that they have arrested so far and many of these uh, accusations are really trump up charges uh, that the military realizes that they can use to ensure that certain prominent people mm-hmm. are put behind bars, mm-hmm. really as an example of yeah. what you know what the military junta is really capable of doing, and they won't hesitate to go to the extreme ends of the law to to, to inflict that sort of uh, pain on on the people. Mm, Okay. Dr. Felix, finally, we turn our attention to Indonesia, where there have been reports that the Indonesian President Joko Widodo is kind of in the midst of deciding on a presidential candidate that he'll endorse for 2024. So my first question is, who do you think he could endorse? And second, what are the odds that Jokowi decides to run for, say, vice president then? Just Mm. Stay in that administration. He's done a lot of good work. <laughs> yeah, he, he has. He has indeed done a very lo- a lot of good work for Indonesia, and we have seen uh, through you know the economic uh, progress within the country as well, and also social progress. Uh, I, I think a few things are whether he can actually endorse a, a candidate, you know, in the upcoming elections in twenty twenty four. Uh, it's I think in, very hard to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have to understand that uh, that the kingmaker is not really Jokowi, but really you know. Uh, 
in, in this particular instance, it would be his political party, which is PDIP. Okay. And the chairman is Megawati Sukarno Putri. So, you know, it is, it is uh, quite difficult to say at this point in time. But I mean, there are, uh, you know, uh, connections with, on the political field that he might be looking at his uh, son, uh, Gibran, Raka Booming Raka, who is also the mayor of Solo, and also his son-in-law, uh, Mohammed Bobby Afif Nasution, so uh, who is uh, the mayor of Medan. So you uh. know there could be some connection uh, somewhere, uh, uh, you know, that, that he might want to ensure uh, that the interest continues and that his legacy continues right. in that uh, particular instance. Yes, should be quite interesting to watch. Dr. Felix Tan, political observer for Nanyang Technological University, on the line with me, Dr. Felix. I appreciate your time as always. Take care and have a good day. All right, thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.